God is good. And so we're going into this Easter season. Think of what God's paid, what God's given to sinners. Turn, if you will, to John 18. And uh, I'm going to give you an overview of the events that happened the last 16 hours that Christ was on the earth. He was uh, arrested in the garden at night. So we're not quite sure what time it was, but we know that he's on a cross by 9 o'clock in the morning and that he's dead by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So maybe 12 to 16 hours at the most is what we see. And so I gave you this outline in the bulletin. Did you get that? This is to give you, uh, we took from the synoptics, gospels. Now the synoptics gospel is Matthew, Mark, Luke. John has unique writings. They, the others tell a lot of parables. A lot of us, John doesn't do that. No parables in John different, but we took and compared all the uh, gospel accounts on the life of Christ, and I'm giving you the events with the verses so you can look at them on your own, so you know what happens in these last 16 hours. And in the garden, Christ is arrested, an amazing arrest, that when they come in, are you the Christ? And he simply says, I am and the soldiers fall back. Why would that be? Because in Exodus 3, God revealed himself to Israel as the I am. And Christ seven times in John says, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am all this. And then he simply says there, he uses that divine, I am, and they fall back. And he said, why do you come out with a mob to arrest me when I was daily in the temple? And so then, from that arrest, he begins to have three religious trials before the Jews. He goes before Annas, and then twice before Caiaphas. So there's three religious trials. Now, in the midst of this, in the midst of these trials, something else happens. Peter does his three denials, just like the Lord prophesied in John 13, when Christ pledged loyalty, when he pledged that he would not cave in whatsoever, he said, you will do this before the rooster crows three times. And so it happens in the narrative that Peter caves in under fear. Uh, he, he's in there with John, probably as the disciple that got him access to the a uh, high priest in the hearings, uh, had some family or uh, connections, got him in there, and he's caving in before the girl, denies him, finally takes an oath that I don't know this man. Something that if we looked at all the occurrence, the same thing, and during the same time that Christ is undergoing trials, Judas goes back to the uh, uh, religious leaders and says, uh, I've betrayed an innocent man. And he takes the bag of silver and he throws it at their feet and he knows that he's guilty. Now watch this. The religious leaders who are getting ready to kill God says, we can't be contaminated with blood money. 
blind God is going to be put on a tree. And yet, there's got these religious scruples. That's what's so brutal about religion. It's got rules that don't make sense. All the time you're rejecting God's Son, you're keeping all of your low-down rules. We want to kill God biblically. Got to keep the rules. Legalism will always make you keep rules and still miss heaven. Still miss heaven. And so, he throws the 30 pieces of silver. What's interesting, Zechariah said he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. But I think something is interesting. Deuteronomy said that if a slave is gored by a wild ox, the compensation to be paid to his master was 30 pieces of silver. So Judas, the best price he could get for the Son of God was the price of a gored slave. The best he could do on the market. When you're selling God, it's hard to get a big price. He just doesn't bring a high price. Well, after uh, he goes to Cephas, first time they meet at night, uh, Anna sends him over at night. They meet in his house, not in a formal court. They hear the case. By the next morning, they decide he must be sentenced, he must die, but the Jews were not supposed to do executions. They weren't in charge of capital punishment. They stoned Stephen, but they say there was no ruler in town at the time. They would pull it off, but they weren't authorized to. Capital punishment was to be the prerogative of Rome. So he uh, is finally turned over to uh, Cephas, and uh, they make a judgment. Then they decide to take it to the Roman courts, the civil courts. They first of all go to Caiaphas, Caiaphas, and Caiaphas, he wants to, uh, brother, I'm sorry, to Pilate. Pilate wants to be, Pilate says five times in the narratives, he's not guilty. Five times. He, he lets him go to the cross knowing he's not guilty. He's not guilty. Over five, Herod says he's not guilty. Luke says that, Luke 23. Both Herod and Pilate said, this man is not guilty of capital punishment. He only will get killed because of the political fear they have of the Jews who say he is to be killed because he said he's the son of God. And so you go through the narrative, and now let's pick up in John. Let's go, and I'm going to just quickly walk you through the narrative and make a few application questions. I think just seeing the narrative, it's not my comments, just see the narrative. Verse 28, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium. That's where Caiaphas, or rather Pilate, stayed when he was in town, uh, kind of the uh, uh, fortress. And it was early. Some believe it could have been uh, as early as 3 or 6 in the morning. And they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. See the irony? The Passover lamb is getting ready to be crucified for the whole world, and they're having scruples. We don't want to get ceremonially dirty. We don't care if we kill him. Let's just don't get our feet dirty. 
Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. Well, they did it at times, but they weren't lawfully allowed to. And uh, you've got to know that Pilate and these religious rulers have been spatting for over a year. They turned him into Tiberius one year earlier because he kind of spite the Jews and had a bunch of uh, soldier shields put in a holy place. And they were outraged with the defilement of it. What are these shields doing here? And they got in a spat with one another. And Pilate cannot stand the Jews, and they can't stand him. Bad, bad, bad blood. And so Pilate is really spiting them all he can. Don't be telling me what I've got to do with this guy that you're framing. Don't be telling me. I am the Roman authority here. We're in charge of the killing, not you. And they're just saying, you better do what we say. And he's doing everything he can to get out of this crucifixion. But politics wins. And so they keep going. We're not permitted to put anyone to death. And you've got a religious holiday just about 24 hours out. And they did this to fulfill the word of Jesus, which spoke signifying but what kind of death he was about to die. The Jews killed three different ways. They stoned people. They hung people, and they strangulated them. But the death that he was to die, according to the prophets, would be on a tree. That was the Roman method of death, the worst they could inflict. Therefore, Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, now this is a private hearing, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others say this about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew. Don't get me into a religious argument. Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight, so I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Put it together like that quick. You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. And then that great philosophic question, what is truth? And we're still asking it. Because when you don't know God, and when you don't acknowledge God, you don't have the truth. That's why we can't decide what's morally right and what's morally wrong, because we consult one another, and we're all mixed up. God's the only one that knows what's right and what's wrong. And standing before him is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, what's truth? I could care less. You ought to go to the philosophy department and ask them, what is truth? You're heading the philosophy department. 
Tell me what's true. Should I divorce my wife or not? What's the truth? Whatever feels good. Oh, good. I feel like bombing your house tonight. Well, you can't be. You can't. Why can't I do it? You said, whatever feels good, do. I feel like killing six million Jews in Germany. You can't say it's wrong because you don't have any absolutes. You make up the rules to suit yourself. What is it right to kill babies? We don't know what truth is. That's why this culture is so messed up. We've given up what truth is. You won't know truth until you know God and bow to truth as revealed in his word. That's why I don't need Fox News to figure out the truth. I got the truth right here, honey. They're exposing a bunch of liars, but sometimes they lie. This is truth. This is truth. This is truth. What is it? That's your problem, Pilate. You, what's going to bother you before this is over? You will know the truth that this man is not guilty, but you still will cave in. Well, when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. I looked up a song that Andre Crouch wrote years ago. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Yet he was rejected, despised of men, but I find no fault in him. They led Christ to Calvary, but he never said one word. Just the cries of lost sinners was all the Savior heard. And then they pierced him in the side, and his blood came streaming down. And that's how he purchased my salvation. And I find no fault in him. This is what a pagan ruler said. There's no fault in him. So they cried out again, saying, not this man. Because he's telling them, who do you want me to release to you? To get along with the Jews, they always released a prisoner. And he says, who do you want me to release? Barabbas, who was a murderer, according to Luke, an insurrectionist, trying to throw off Rome. He was a public enemy, known. And they said, no, we don't want the robber, we don't want the murderer to be killed. Give him to us. You crucify the not guilty Christ. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. This is interesting. You never gave the scourging before sentence had been passed. And so some scholars such as D.A. Carson speculate that there was two scourgings. Maybe so. He says this in his commentary. And there's three different Latin words they describe the different kinds of scourging. And there was one that was kind of a slap on the hand. Maybe 20 lashes of a normal beating. But once sentence was passed, then there was a scourging because they've got to hasten their death. There's a religious holiday coming up, and they've got to be sure these men will die quick. So they would do what was the worst scourging, which was the Jewish method of the uh, 40 stripes, and they would do 39 because if you went one stroke over the 40, then you got scourged. So they learned to do 39. But the law said 40. But what was so brutal about this, whether two scourgings or not, 
the final scourging before the cross was such that two Roman soldiers carried it out. They'd have a wooden handle out of which that leather strips would come, and tied to the leather was bone particles and also lead, so that two soldiers, you would have them in between you. Now, this man's going to get 39 blows. Now, according to recorded history, many, many died under the scourging because as the soldier, now, now let's, okay, let's take a man 185 to 200 pounds, a Roman soldier in top shape, pulls back, and it went this way, and when it went across, bone and lead cut the flesh, and then you think, well, this guy's got a recock, as it were, his arm, but there's another guy, and boom, 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 boom. They say the scourging was so brutal that bones would be exposed, intestines would be exposed, internal organs, so that the man was a bleeding pulp, you should have pronounced a death sentence. They do this, and he's trying to pacify the Jews. So that's why Carson thinks this was a lighter one, and the severer one is a second one. Not sure, but he's quite a scholar. I thought it was interesting. Well, he goes on, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they begin to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Now, remember, there's been no sentence yet. Nobody has said he's guilty yet. Uh, the Roman uh, prefect here, he has not passed sentence. This is going on now, and they say that the crown of thorns, scholars speculate it was made of date thorns, which would be about 12 inches long. And then and you read the other gospel accounts, the slapping, a lot of slapping on him, a lot of mocking, the purple robe. And then Pilate came out and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I what? I find no, five times, he says this, five times. See, in the Jewish court, there were no lawyers, and it was the goal of all judges in a Jewish court to find a way to deliver you from a death penalty. That was their assignment. That was Jewish law. And the high priest was not to even have a vote because of his influence. But Caiaphas led the whole debate. Caiaphas rendered the sentence. Caiaphas said he's guilty. Caiaphas says he ought to be killed, and Caiaphas was to be absolutely quiet. I'll give you five illegalities in the whole trial, just five that a lawyer wrote up about what was wrong. I find no guilt. The Jews said, we have a law, and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the Son of God. He didn't make himself the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He was just telling them who he was. They wouldn't accept it. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said, You do not speak to me? 
Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus said, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And that's probably either Judas or Caiaphas. Their greater guilt. And notice here the sovereignty of God and the human response of men. You, Pilate, couldn't even sentence me to death if my father didn't want me here. I want to do a message in this series on who killed Jesus. Seven people are indicted. And God the Father was one of them. He participated in the death of the Son. And he, Jesus said, hey, Pilate, you're just doing what the Father's orchestrated. Now, you're going to be held accountable for your part in it. But guess what? The only authority you've got is what God gives you. And by that way, the only authority, the only position, the only privileges you've got, God gave you. He can take them any moment. God even put Putin in power. He even put Nebuchadnezzar in power. All the powers that be. You know, I go to the poll and I vote, and then I walk away saying, now, God, the one you went in is going to go in. Can I get a witness? Who won the last election? The one God wanted? Some of you just bailed out. You don't believe it. Well, don't have to. See, God's orchestrating the nations. God, he's going he's gonna to give us people what we want, even if it destroys us. Well, he goes on. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out. And sit down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Gabbatha. When you read in Matthew, this is where he washes his hands in the basin. And the reason they washed their hands, it was the way of saying, I am not guilty of an innocent man's death. He wanted the audience to know, I was not for this death. I'm caving in to the religious authorities. I want to give them what they want but I don't want to be charged. And so there, he's rendering the judgment. He washes his hands. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. Look at this. Early in the day, about 6 a.m., it was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. What a lie, what hypocrisy. You've been fighting Rome ever since they've been in town. You are unruly. You hate Rome. And now you're saying, if this is God's Messiah, we pledge our allegiance to Caesar. And what's amazing in Matthew they cried out when Pilate is washing his hands. They said, let his blood be upon us and our children. You know what happened in 70 AD? History says there were so many Jews crucified on trees, they were fought for the room to put another tree down. They stripped the land of practically every tree they had, and they hung a Jew on every tree they could. 
It was less than 35 years from this age. Judge us. Judge our children. We can take it. Thousands of Jews died by 70 A.D. and crucified. An abhorrible thought to any Jew. For no Jew could be crucified. No Roman citizen. Roman citizens. It was prohibited to crucify a Roman citizen. You only did the scum of the earth that way. And so he washes his hands, and he wants to be clear. Let me read to you Walter Chandler. Walter Chandler, a lawyer, wrote a book called The Trial of Jesus from a Lawyer's Standpoint. Uh, his book was put out by Harrison Company, uh, 1956. And he observed at least five infractions of Jewish law. Number one, the trial was conducted at night, totally against all Jewish legal proceedings. You don't try people at night. It has to be a daytime case. Imagine if your case came up in court they said, well, we're going to meet at 9 o'clock tonight. We can't get a jewelry, but let's hasten you in here at 9 o'clock. You'd already know you're being framed. It's why Charles Coulson gave up on the death penalty. He said, there's so much crookedness before the sentence, I can't subscribe to it. Not that it's not the biblical prescription, but when you've got so many crooked lawyers, who's getting justice? Well, in this court, there were no lawyers. There were only judges that were supposed to be getting Christ off, and they all agreed, kill him, crucify him. Two, it was conducted the day before a religious holiday, the Jewish Sabbath. They were never allowed, according to Jewish law, the Mishnah. You were not to try a man days before. You needed a big space. You could not be on the eve of a religious holiday. And here they're on the eve of Passover and on the eve of Sabbath. Three, it was completed in a 24-hour period. He was tried and sentenced within 24 hours. Jewish law says it takes at least two days to give a man a capital offense trial. At least two days. They had to hear it for one day, and then they needed an evening to think over this is what they thought over in a Jewish court. We've heard all the evidence against you. We need all night so we can think of how to get you off. That was the goal of Jewish law. We've got to see if, we can, if there's any loopholes that we can get you to escape capital punishment. They stayed all night. Then they would take all the next day, and sentence could only be carried out on the third day at least. They couldn't do this here, because there's a religious holiday coming, we've got to get him killed so we can worship. Fourthly, the conviction was by the accused's own testimony. Yes, I am the Son of God. Jewish law says no man is to die based on his own testimony. You've got to prove the charges. You've got to have the witnesses. And, of course, the Jews had witnesses, but their, their reports conflicted. They were hired. They told stories. And as you read the synoptics, they disagree with each other. You could not kill a man based upon his own testimony. You wonder why there's so many Jewish lawyers? They've been practicing it 
ever since Moses. They knew what justice was. It concluded, this is a very interesting feature of Jewish law. They say if all those who hear the case vote for the capital punishment, it's mob rule, it's a rigged court, it's invalid. You always had to have at least one vote against it. A unanimous vote they felt was fraudulent, was rigged. It broke at least that. And if you would read different men, Dwight Pentecost and the life of Christ, quoting Shepherd Farrar, you cannot believe all the incongruities of the law. The question is this, can God get a fair trial? And the answer is no. I write Acts. I was just reading, I'm going through the book of Acts. I was reading uh, Philip's message to the Ethiopian in Acts 8. And in the NIV, I love it. He quotes Isaiah 53, and this is the way they translate it. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Um, let me ask you, can God get a fair trial in the court of human opinion? Listen, the scripture said that Messiah must be born in Bethlehem. Was he? Was he? He was to be born of a virgin. Was he? He was to be born in the house of David. Was he? Uh, he was to be preceded by a forerunner like John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah. Did he? He was to do many works and miracles. Did he? He was to enter into Jerusalem riding on the back of an animal, a donkey that had never been ridden on before, and it won't buck. You know why? The creator's on the back of the donkey. Did he? He would be betrayed by a close friend, and according to Zechariah, the price would be 30 pieces of silver. Did it happen? He was to be a man of poverty and suffering. Was Jesus poor? Never owned anything in his life but the garment his mother made for him. Never owned real estate. He said, the birds are richer in real estate and property than me. I have no place. And when it's time to pay my taxes, I'll have to rob the mouth of a fish. That's poor. Don't go fishing, by the way. It won't work for you. Pay. Pay. He would be treated like a curse and sold, and we will consider him under a divine curse, did we? Two, are there any witnesses as to who he is in this courtroom, the courtroom of human opinion? Uh, uh, do you own him? Do you own him at school, on the job, in your home? Uh, I brought a, the words of an old song that we used to sing. It's wonderful to be married to the same woman for so many years because we grew up on the same music. I'm trying to find it. It, uh, it goes this way. They tried my Lord and Master with no one to defend. Within the halls of Pilate, he stood without a friend. Then the chorus goes. I'll be a friend to Jesus. 
my life for him I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my years shall end. Are there any witnesses that you are listening to? Did you know there are millions of people in the earth right now that says, he's Lord. He saved me. He changed me. He saved my marriage. He saved my children. He gave me eternal life. I was a pagan. I was not religious. I didn't care anything for God. I was going to hell as quick and as fast as I could, and I met this one called Jesus. He's turned me around. He's changed my life, changed my marriage, changed my destiny. I am a witness. He is Lord. He is Christ. And I am not ashamed of the gospel. Are you? Peter, where are you? I'm bailing out. I'm bailing out. I'm sad that he did, but he did. As far as I'm concerned, write him off. Write him off. You can't build a church on people that bail out that easy. But you see, God is gracious, and God is forgiving. I don't care how many times you uh, blamed him or fell out, backslid, whatever you want to call it. He's a restoring God that says, come back. I'm not done with you, Peter. I'm going to still work with you. I'm going to still change you. Matter of fact, you don't know it, but you're going to preach on the day of Pentecost. Scary, some of the guys we let preach around here. You don't know the failures. You don't know what went in the background, and God still uses. just like he wants to use you. Quit living in your past. Moses fled from his past and ran right into his purpose. He's fleeing Egypt where he killed a guy, and he's right down here trying to run, run, run. And God said, I'm glad you showed up. Come over here by the bush. I'm going to talk to you. I've got something I want you to do. I, well, well, I'm, I'm fleeing jail time. You didn't flee jail time. You ran right into your purpose. Some of you have been running from the past. If you'll stop running, you could find your purpose. God wants to do something with you, killer of an Egyptian. That's what's wrong with religion and church and legalism. No one's good enough to do anything for God. Let me tell you, if you're a hell-bound, rebellious sinner, you're good enough to serve God. God can change you, give you eternal life, clean you up, and turn you into his spokesman. This is the grace of God. You haven't been bad enough for God to keep from blessing you, using you, and making you a witness. Well, finally, I just think when Judas, I mentioned this, you can never profit from selling God out. You can never enjoy selling God out. One man told me on the break today, he says, well, he didn't really sell God, he sold himself. You remember what Jesus said? What if a man should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? They asked us about this one man that when he died, they said, how much did he leave? And they said, all of it. All of it. It's been a long time since we buried anybody in a U-Haul. You don't take it with you. You just leave it all. And your kids are going to fight over it. That's why I've left my kids out of the will. <laughs> I want family harmony. Sorry, I'm just lying. <laughs> Bitterness was setting up immediately. 
Remember this line, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will make you pay more than you want to pay. Adam and Eve, remember the devil always keeps his fruit shiny, but the bite is full of death. It's still full of poison. I don't care how pretty it is. It can kill you. Don't dabble in sin. Young people, I just tried a little bit of drugs. I never knew I'd become an addict. I just tried a little bit of sex. I didn't know I'd have two children out of wedlock and not no place to live. I just tried one daredevil thing, and we had that accident out there on the road, and I've been left injured all my life. We just were having fun. I just did it once. Judas, you had one chance to prize him, and instead... You brokered a deal to sell him. And in the deal, you lost the money, you lost your soul forever, and you knew he was king of kings and lord of lords. I want to say this to you. Mankind has had its chance to judge the judge, but the judge will have the final say. For men will come before him at a white throne judgment, and he's going to open a book. And in that book, he's going to look, says, I'm just wanting to see if you ever acknowledged me as the Son of God and you received me. Just a moment. I'm in the Smiths, kind of going, you know, I got to pick on Brown, someone. No, no, Howard, please. (laughs) I, I don't find any record of your birth. I've never found any place where you said I'm the Son of God. I don't find any place where you ever received me. Well, that's, that's right, I didn't. Oh, and then he opens two other books, at least a set of books, and he has them over here. He said, well, let me tell you every reason why I have for not letting you into heaven. Here's your sins. I've been recording them ever since some of you were two you started. But the big one started five. You, you, you threw your bottle and hit your mom in the head. <laughs> and he's going to have every sin right there. He's going to say, and some of you is going to take a whole book. <laughs> Man, and, and you're a church kid. You did all this. And he said, there, there it all is. Right there. You, you did all this against me. Broke all my commandments here. So this is why there's no... Re- room for you in heaven. Because you see, everybody in heaven loves the Lamb. Everybody goes to heaven loves me. Everybody in heaven says, I'm the Son of God. You see, this is my house. I don't know anybody in my house. Only my family members get the house. I didn't build a house to house everybody in the neighborhood. I built a house for my family. And God's got a family. He says, I got a house for you called heaven. Have you ever said, Jesus, I know you're Lord, and I know you're the ultimate judge. I'm in no place to judge you because you're judging me. And he's saying, do you say I'm the son of God? What keeps you from receiving me? I want to be yours. He came to his own things, and his own people did not welcome him. But to as many as welcomed him, he gave them the right to become the children of God even those born by the Spirit and not of the flesh. I find no fault in him. I'm with you, Pilate. He's not guilty. 
don't cave in, but he did because they threatened to take him to Caesar and the politics won and he sent an innocent man to a horrendous death. How do you judge him? How do you judge Christ? Father, I pray for those, every one of us, are faced in this life to pass judgment on who is Jesus. We don't get to escape. It's inevitable. He's either the Son of God, a liar, or a lunatic. And we will be judged by how we judge. You said, Lord Jesus, I didn't come into the world to condemn it. I didn't come to judge it. But at the final resurrection, I will judge men for how they chose, how they judged me. I will return my judgment. I thank you so much, Lord, that judgment for us who have come to see you are the Son of God and you are who you said you are and that we received you by faith. There's no judgment coming for us. It's all past. Bless your name forever and ever and ever.